Good morning. Welcome to Park Church. My name is Ruthie Williams. Um, whether you are here or online, we are so happy that you are with us. Um, if you are hoping to get connected to Park and are new here, we, right after the service, we have a quick meeting in the back corner of the room in a room marked Introductions. Um, or if you're online, just click the New Here button and a staff member will join you over Zoom. Now, for those who are able, please stand as we read this call to worship together. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Let us go to the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit.
you a question. What are you longing for today? What is your heart seeking after? What would make you happy today? Whatever it is that your heart is longing after, I just want to remind you that God is better than all of the things your heart would be seeking after today. Nothing can satisfy like He does. Let's sing that again. I know that you are better than all these things. It might be a prayer of a statement of faith in your life right now that you believe that. Uh, Some of us might pray it as a longing, saying, God, I'm longing for other things more than you, but I want you to be the focus of my heart. Oh, I know you are better than all these things. Oh, I know you are better than all these things. saying that God's love is better than life. Uh, It's better than anything in this world, but often our actions don't reflect that reality. Uh, Money, uh, physical beauty, pleasure, control, the approval of others. I don't know what your tendency is, where your heart runs to, what your heart is seeking after, but we want to ask God to reorient um, it to God. He is our true north. He is the one that we're longing for. He's the one that we're looking for. We're asking that Jesus would be our heart's true treasure today. And no other treasure in this life will satisfy us like God does. So please pray this prayer of confession with me right now. Lord Jesus, uh, with our mouths, we confess that you are our greatest treasure. But with our actions, we reveal a desire to lay up treasures on earth and not heaven. Open our eyes to see the ways we've done this and forgive us. Because we can't serve two masters, Jesus, we ask that you would help us see your true worth and value today. Spirit, stir a devotion for Jesus deep in our bones and help us live accordingly. Release our grip on money and believing that it can make us happy and whole. Jesus, be the one true treasure that our hearts are devoted to. Only you can satisfy, and only you will never fade. Let our hearts and homes reflect this reality. Amen. Uh, Take a moment right now in just silent reflection, confessing those ways that you've wandered from him, those things that you maybe are looking for satisfaction in other than God, and then return to him. He loves you. He's inviting you to draw near to him today.
Christian, listen as I read this beautiful and free assurance of God's pardon for you. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Thanks be to God. Well, for those of you who are in the building, go ahead and say a distance hello, elbow bump. Um, if you're in the building or if you're joining us online and there are people around, you can say the peace of Christ be with you and respond and also with you. Or you can text that to someone. Um, those of you who are online, you can just send a quick text um, to someone else in the body. Let them know that you're thinking about them. And we will gather back for the reading of God's word. Okay, good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Again, Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where ne where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is, in, if then the light is you, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. That's my beautiful wife, Adrienne, right there. So nice to have her open up the scriptures for me. Hey, I'm Chris. I uh, want to welcome everyone who's here. 
in the building. For those of you who are watching online, we're so glad to have you uh, worshiping with us. I'm excited about today because uh, today is the first time I have been able to preach to people in person in Park Church. Uh, I came at the beginning of March. I joined the staff here, became a pastor here, beginning of March, and then two weeks later, everything shut down. So it is so nice to see half of your faces. That's awesome. So. So good to see you. Um, we are continuing on in our series as we go through uh, Matthew's gospel. So if you haven't turned there yet, you can go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Uh, this, as you've already heard read, uh, is an incredibly challenging passage. I think especially for us as Americans. Because so much of our culture it is built on what Jesus is teaching against in this text, which is materialism. Uh, so before we start, I feel the need to pray and ask for God to open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to what Jesus may have to say to us today. So let's pray together. Father God, we come before you as, as needy people, as thankful people. Lord, we know that the fact that we are alive right now is a gift from you that you have willed us to be here, that our hearts are beating, that we're breathing because of you. And so therefore, Lord, we know there's purpose in this moment that it's not an accident that, that the people who are here in this building or watching online are here. You have something to say to us today. You, have, you will speak to us through your word by your spirit. And so God, I do pray that you would give us ears to hear exactly what you have to say to us today and change us, God, forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start uh, the message this morning by talking a little bit about what Jesus is not saying in this passage, right? Because this is a, a passage that's been often kind of taken out of context or misinterpreted. So let's, let's make sure we, we hear first what Jesus is not saying here in Matthew chapter 6. He is not saying that possessions and money are bad. Okay, let me say that again, loud and clear. Jesus is not saying that possessions and money are bad or that you shouldn't own things or that you shouldn't make money. Uh, and unfortunately, there have been some in church history that have taken this text and kind of preached and taught a particular type of asceticism. That is not what Jesus is getting at here. He is not against his people owning possessions or making money. He's not saying that. The scripture teaches us that all that we have is actually a gift from God given to us to enjoy, right? Paul tells Timothy that in 1 Timothy, that these are gifts, money, possessions, things. They're gifts from God to enjoy. Not worship, right? Not make the center of our life, but to enjoy and use as means of as worshiping him. They're gifts from God. Jesus is not teaching that we earn our salvation and right standing with God by our own efforts and goodness. That's another one I need to repeat. All right, I want to say this very clearly. Listen, Jesus is not teaching in this passage that we earn our salvation or our right standing with God by what we do, our own efforts and our, and our own goodness, all right? He is not teaching that in this passage. Storing up treasures in heaven is not saying that somehow we earn our salvation. It's really important. Now, he is saying 
that he's against possessions and money owning us. That's a huge difference. He's not teaching that it's wrong for us to own things or have money. He is teaching that it, it is wrong for us to be owned by our possessions and our money. He's against living for making money for our own selfish desires, our own selfish ends. Jesus is teaching against the idea, uh, this lie that getting more, getting more and more will satisfy us and give us the type of full, satisfying life that is ultimately only found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's wanting to set us free. He's wanting us to experience the life that he came to give us. He's also saying in this passage that there's more to life. There's, there's so much more to life than just accumulating things. There's so much more to life than just getting more money in the bank, pursuing more and more money and more and more things. He's saying that if you live your life for getting more money and more possessions, that's the focus of your life, you'll have, in the end, wasted your life. And missed out on the greatest treasure available anywhere, God himself, and a life lived for his glory. So how does he say all that in this passage? Well, he does it by using three sets of two, all right? So three sets of two to illustrate and communicate that big idea. So let me talk first. Let me give them to you first. So there's two kinds of treasure. There's two kinds or two types of eyes and two masters, right? Three sets of two. First, first set of two, two kinds of treasure. Um, now let me say this right up front. You're going to notice that the word treasure is used three times in these three verses, once in each verse, okay? Um, and here's what treasure means in this context. Really important to understand. Treasure here means this. Anything that we value so much that you give the majority of your attention, time, and resources to. Okay, that's how you would define a treasure here in this context. Anything that we would give, uh, we value so much that we give that most attention, most time, and resources to. All right, so the first type of treasure Jesus talks about in these verses is this idea of earthly treasure. Okay, earthly treasure. Notice that in verse 19. Jesus says, do not, all right, command, do not lay up for yourselves. Don't hoard, don't store away, don't fill up your garages and your storage sheds, right? With what? Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, things that are just earthly. Where, what, why? Because he says moth and rust will destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So here's the big idea. Don't make the focus of your life, Jesus is saying, don't make the focus of your life amassing more and more things that aren't going to last for eternity. Don't make anything the center of your life that won't matter in a million years from now. Like money, possessions, houses, 
hobbies, social status, in this season we're in right now, political candidates, political parties, careers, uh, how people view you on social media, these things and many more aren't going to matter a million years from now. And some of them aren't going to matter next year or the next year. So why would we give our whole lives to amassing these things and living for these things? Don't make them the focus of your life. Uh, we have a biblical example of someone who kind of lived out this reality of living for earthly treasures. Uh, I'm sure many of you remember Solomon. David's son, third king of Israel, he's had a really great start. God blessed him with all kinds of wisdom, wealth. He was living for God, pursuing God, leading Israel to worship God. And then somewhere in his life, he started to believe the lie of the culture, that there was more, that there was something better to amass than treasure in heaven and living for God's kingdom. And uh, if you want to turn there, you can. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the whole chapter, but primarily like verses 4 through 11, where he says, So I gave myself over to getting as much stuff as possible, as having many earthly experiences as possible. He said, I built all kinds of homes, palaces. I, I planted all kinds of gardens. I amassed to myself hundreds and hundreds of wives and concubines. So like he, he opened himself up to everything, had as much pleasure as he possibly could have, experienced everything that the world and the culture had to offer. And at the end, what was his response? Oh man, I'm so thankful I did this. I feel so satisfied. This feels so meaningful. Was that his response? You'll see it right there in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. His response was, this has been all vanity meaning emptiness. It's been like chasing after the wind. He got all of that, had all of those experiences, and because he made that the center of his life, he came to the conclusion, it's all empty. It's like chasing after the wind. Uh, a more contemporary illustration. Are there any Tom Brady fans in the room? Yeah, that's... That's dangerous to talk about in Denver, I know. I just moved here not long ago from Southern California, so forgive me. But, but I uh, remember, for those of you who don't know Tom Brady, right? He was the quarterback for a long, long time in New England. Now he's the quarterback in Tampa Bay. And I, rem I will never forget this interview with him. It was after he had just won his third NFL championship. Now remember, here's a guy that's got it all, right? Wealthy beyond what we can imagine, right? Supermodel wife, beautiful little kids. He's got it all, according to the culture, the, what the world would say. He's got three now NFL championships. And in the interview, he said that there has to be more to life than this. Why did he say that? Because he had made winning championships, getting trophies, the center of his life. And at the end of that run... He basically said, there, there's got to be more to life than this. What was he saying? Really the same thing that Solomon did. It's empty. It's meaningless when it becomes the full focus of your life. There's got to be more to life than this. And thank God there is. <laughs> Amen. And that's what leads us to the next type of treasure Jesus talks about. And that's heavenly treasure. Notice that in verse 20. 
So don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but verse 20, do lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because moth and rust cannot destroy those. And thieves cannot break in and steal from you when your treasure is in eternity with God, when you're laying things up for eternal reward. So here's the big idea. Don't make the focus of your life the types of things, or I'm sorry, do, do, do make the focus of your life the types of things that will last for eternity. Pursuing Jesus, living for his kingdom, investing in people, using your talents, your time, your resources for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Do that. Uh, there was a missionary in the 1950s. He was heading to a particular place in South America. His name is Jim Elliott. He was ultimately killed by the people he was trying to reach with the gospel. Can you imagine? He, he goes to an unreached people group to preach the gospel to them so they can be, become followers of Jesus. And he's killed by the people he was trying to reach. He said this before he was killed when asked why was he willing to risk his life to reach those people who might kill him with the gospel. He said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Isn't that awesome? What a perspective. That's somebody who understood the difference between earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. He could have played it safe. I do all the time. I would imagine you probably do too. Could have played it safe. He could have lived for earthly treasure rather than heavenly treasure, but instead he chose to invest his life in heavenly treasure and has been and will be reaping the rewards of that investment for all eternity. Worldly, earthly wisdom would say he was foolish. We live for eternal rewards. The culture will tell us we're foolish as well. But Jesus would say he was wise. And then Jesus ends this section, this paragraph, with an incredible saying. Look at verse 21. This is beautiful. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here, that the idea of the heart is not that you know, muscle inside of you that's pumping blood through your body. That, that's not what he's talking about. Biblically speaking, we often think of the heart as the seat of our affections, right? It's where our emotions are found. It is that, but it actually is more than that. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's referring to the core of who we are, the real us. It's the seat of our greatest loves in life. Whatever has our heart has our life, Jesus is saying. The heart sets the course for how we live. So whatever is at the core of you, whatever you love most, whatever you cherish most, whatever you treasure most, that's what you're living for. In Proverbs 4, 23, the, the, the wisdom writer there says this, guard your heart above all else. Why? Why is the heart so important? Notice, guard your heart above all else, for it 
determines the course of your life. What does that? Your heart determines the course of your life. So Jesus is saying, if earthly temporal treasure is the focus of your heart, that's what you're going to live for. If heavenly eternal treasure is the focus of your heart, that's what you'll live for. So choose wisely. The, the second set of two here, Jesus talks about, there's two types of eyes. So you have two types of treasure. Now he's going to illustrate it further. Two types of eyes. You see that in verses 22 to 23. First he talks about the healthy eye in 22. And then the bad eye, he says in verse 23. Let's, let's read those verses. The eye is the lamp of the body. It seems pretty straightforward, so just follow the logic. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Again, this seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Jesus is saying our eyes are like a gateway for light to enter into our bodies. So if our eyes are healthy and there's, there's nothing obstructing them, then our bodies will be flooded with light. That was kind of in, uh, in the ancient world, one of the views of what the light, of the eyes' purposes were, were to let light into the body. He goes on, but if our eyes are not healthy, if they are bad, it says, then light won't enter into the body and our bodies will be filled with darkness. Obviously, we know this in the Bible, light is good, darkness is bad, right? So we want light in our bodies. We want our eyes to be good. Think of it like windows on your house or your apartment or your room, your dorm room, whatever. If the curtains are back and the blinds are up, light's going to flood the room. If the curtains are down and the blinds are closed, then light will be blocking uh, the, or light will be blocked from entering into that space. So what is Jesus getting at? Like I, we get the illustration. Okay, wait, what's he trying to say here to us? What is he saying to us? Well, it's really interesting. That word healthy is the key to, to understanding this verse. The word that's translated healthy here in verse 22 is translated in many other places in the New Testament as generous. Oh, okay. That makes sense in the context, right? Let me give you a couple examples of where that same word is translated generous in a couple places. Just I'll do two. James 1 verse 5. James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously, same word translated healthy in Matthew, God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Okay. Paul, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 2. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, above, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Again, there's that word, the same word translated healthy in Matthew 6, translated as generous or generosity. So it seems like Jesus is saying that a healthy eye actually means a generous eye. And a bad eye in the context here would be a stingy, 
greedy, self-focused eye. So like the opposite. Light, darkness, generous, stingy. So if that is the case, and that, that's not a hill I would die on. I think that's the best way to understand it. You can study it for yourself. But if that's the case, Jesus is calling, calling his followers to a life of generosity with their finances and their possessions. That's the way of light. He's saying the way to joy and the life that is really life is through generosity. Having an open-handed approach with your stuff for the good of others and the advancement of the kingdom of God. It really is counterintuitive. It's, it's upside down as so much of Jesus' teaching here in the Sermon of the Mount is, right? It's counterintuitive. It's completely different than what we're going to hear in the culture. He's saying that the, the way to a joyful, satisfied life, which is the body full of light, is a willingness to have less for the sake of others. When was the last time you saw something promoted like that, like a car commercial? Hey, don't buy this car that we want to sell you so you can have, actually give it to advance the kingdom of God. Like, you're not going to hear that out there. It's the opposite. Buy this car so you can be happy. Buy this car so you can be satisfied. I got to admit, new car smell is great, but it's not going to satisfy your soul. And it's going to get stinky after a while, right? Like it's going to fall apart. It's not going to last. And then he goes on, and the way to joylessness and a lack of satisfaction, that would be illustrated with the body full of darkness, is to hoard your resources for yourself. Uh, a pastor by the names of James Montgomery Boyce said this about this passage. How can you tell whether riches or the longing for riches have clouded your spiritual vision? Okay, so back to, to eyes and being able to see and light. How can you tell whether or not your spiritual vision has been clouded? The answer may be determined by the extent to which you are generous with the goods which you have been given. So how about you? How about me? Are you, am I experiencing the light of generosity or the darkness of stinginess. And then the last of the two Jesus mentions is that there's two masters, verse 24. Two types of treasure, right? Two types of eyes. And then there's two masters. Now, before I read the verse, we, we need to know something, all of us. This is going to be true of every single person in this room, every single person who's ever lived. We will serve something or someone. We can't help it. We're hardwired for it. We were created this way, ultimately so we could live for God and experience his abundant life, the life that he came to give us. We're hardwired to give our lives to something. So the issue is not, will I serve someone or something? That is not the issue. The issue is, who am I serving? Or what am I serving? Now, look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Right, so there's not an option for not even having a master, right? He just says, 
No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Right? So here, Jesus is saying, there's two masters, one is God, and one here, the word is translated money. All right? Behind that word in the Greek language, money, is the word mammon. Okay, and it absolutely includes money. That's why some translations translate it money. But it's, it's more than just money. The word mammon is more than just money. It means, it, it refers to that which other than God, one places their trust. All right, so if, if we are placing our trust in anyone or anything other than God, that's what Jesus is talking about here. And he calls it Mammon, and it's translated money here. So it seems like Jesus is saying, you will serve someone or something. It's going to be God or it's going to be money, possessions. But you're going to serve someone. You're going to serve something. I'm going to conclude with this. Please do not believe the lie that living from money and stuff is somehow harmless in this life. Because like, some of you might be sitting back going, okay, well, I can live for stuff and money and get a bunch of things. And when I die, I'm still going to go to heaven. So heaven's pretty cool, right? It's pretty great. Streets of gold and mansion, all that stuff. That's going to be pretty awesome. I'm kidding. Like, I don't think that's what it is. But anyway, like, it's going to be amazing. I'm a Christian. So I'll just kind of do what the world says. I'll kind of go the culture's way. And I'll see if what you're saying is true, Chris. Let me test it, right? Don't think that this kind of life doesn't have consequences in this life. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Notice he's not talking just to wealthy people. He's talking to people who long to be rich, who desire to be rich, who lust to be rich, whose entire life is centered around getting rich. So this doesn't have to even be rich people. Some of the most generous people I know are wealthy people. It could be those of us who are not very wealthy, but longing to be wealthy, doing whatever it takes to get more stuff, more possessions. You fall into a temptation if this is you, it says, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That sounds pretty serious. Sounds like eventually that pursuit's not going to work out for you. It's not going to give you what you thought you wanted. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, again, be really important here. It doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So in other words, man, if you are loving and pursuing and chasing after money, that eventually is going to lead you into all kinds of evil things. That's why he said there's going to be ruin and destruction if you live this way. It is through this craving that some have, look at this, wandered away from the faith. It's pretty devastating. And pierced themselves with many sorrows or many pains. So, yeah, it's not just about losing out on eternal rewards. It's about missing out on the kind of life that Jesus said he came to give us through his life, death, and resurrection. 
So here's a question for us. Who or what are you, what am I living for? Who or what are you really trusting in? And maybe this will help answer those questions. When you ask yourself, who am I really living for? What am I really living for? The scripture gives us three primary purposes for money and possessions. So if you want to write this down, feel free. Um, Three primary purposes. One, to care for yourself, to care for your own needs, and to take care of your family, uh, your loved ones, those around you, okay? Number two, helping those in need, especially other believers. So God blesses us with money and possessions so that we can be a blessing to other people, those who are in need. That's how God is glorified. We, we get to participate in his kingdom work. Is When we're blessed, we are then called to bless other people as well. And then the third primary purpose is this. Supporting God's work through the spread of the gospel and all the biblical examples of that are, are supporting the work of the local church as the gospel spread around the world. So, so those are the primary biblical purposes for why God gives us possessions, why God gives us money. So here's a question for us, all of us. Does your use of money and possessions that God has gifted you line up with what you just heard, those three purposes? If so, then you're laying up treasures in heaven. Back to the beginning of this whole thing. That's what it means to lay up treasures in heaven. If not, then you're laying up treasures on earth. If if what you do with money, what you do with possessions doesn't line up with those three primary purposes... You're laying up treasures on earth and only one of those options will last for eternity. Only one. Make sure you choose wisely. Let's pray. Father God, once again, I thank you that you are a God that longs to speak to your people. You don't just want to speak to us. God, you're here. You're dwelling with us. You're among us. You you care about us. You want us to experience the life that Jesus came to give us. And so often we don't because we're living for earthly treasures. We're greedy, we're stingy, we're not generous, we're selfish. We hoard up things at the expense of being a blessing to others. So God, right now we confess that. And God, I would ask that right now in this moment you would open our eyes, help us see If we're doing that, how we're doing that, where we're doing that, God, we know that we're serving someone or something. We have to. God, if it's not you, if we're putting our ultimate hope and trust in something else, someone else, God, reveal that to us. Draw us back to yourself. God, grant us repentance. Change us, transform us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So just a moment. We're going to receive communion. We do this every week. It's where we will remember the sacrifice that Jesus made to cleanse us of all our sins, to make us righteous so that we can be fully forgiven and accepted by the Father. But before we do that, here's just a few questions I'd like for you to, just a few questions to meditate on and just help you apply what you've heard from God's word today. So three questions. They'll be up on the screen in just a minute. Am I investing in eternal things or is the focus of my life on earthly temporal things? Think about that. Am I living for eternal things or am I focusing my life on earthly temporal things? Second, 
What is it that gets the majority of your time, thoughts, love, energy, and money? What are those things? The, the majority of that. And then three, what do you need to change in order to better invest in treasures that will last for eternity? What needs to change? So in a moment, think about that and then we'll receive communion altogether. So as we are about to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made to save us, we do that through communion. I just want to be really clear. This text is not about earning our own salvation by storing up treasures in heaven. I said that at the beginning, I want to say it again. We do not make ourselves righteous by being generous with our resources. It's not what this is about. We are saved we are forgiven of our sins. We are given eternal life with God because of Jesus, God's son. God in the flesh who chose to give up the luxury of heaven for us. He took on human flesh when he didn't have to. He did that for us. To do for us what we could never do for ourselves to be the, the ultimate display of what generosity looks like by giving himself for us at the cross. So Christian, as you, as you remember that truth, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Christian, as you eat, remember, 
This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Eat and remember your Savior.
May that be true, amen? That be true, God. So in just a moment, we're gonna bless you and, and send you off. Um, but before we do that, I wanna let you know that uh, we have an introductions class meeting right after, just a brief meeting right after the service. So if you are gathering with us online, we wanna let you know that you can click the button and go to the Zoom introductions. If you're in the building, you can head right over there. Pastor Jason's over there uh, in the introductions room, head over there right after the service. And the purpose of this short little gathering is just for those who are newer to Park Church, looking for ways to get plugged in or just learn more about the church. That's designed for you. So we'd love to see you right after the service over there or online. So let me bless you. Park Church, may you by the grace of God experience the freedom of living for eternal things rather than temporary earthly pleasures. May you more and more release the things that have hold of your heart and cloud your spiritual vision. And as you do, May all of those around you see the beauty and goodness and glory of God displayed through your generosity for the glory of God and the good, and the good of the world. May the God of peace be with you. Amen. We love you. Have a great day. We'll see you.